Welcome to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. I'm your host this week, Liz Flora, and today I'm joined by Remy, the founder and CEO of makeup and skincare brand Freck Beauty. Hi, Remy. It's great to have you here today. Hi, Liz. Good to see you. Thank you so much for having me. So first of all, before we get started, for anyone wondering, Remy, I did not forget your last name. You go by a mononym. So I have to ask, who's your favorite celebrity with a mononym? <laughs> uh, oh, gosh. Uh, it's, well, if I were to be tried and true, I'd say Beck. Amazing. And it seems like everyone that goes by a mononym turns out wildly successful if you look at Madonna or Rihanna. So it's a good choice. Well, that's, that's the hope <laughs> for sure. Uh, my last name, I mean, actual last name is actually Remijan. So it's actually a family thing. I go by Remy. My dad went by Remy. My grandfather went by Remy. So, and then it just ended up being that I didn't choose to go back to any other name. So I'm Remy. Nice to meet you, everybody on the podcast. Thanks for joining us. So let's start with the origin of the brand. It all began with a Kickstarter focused on the Freckle product. So when and how did you first get this idea? Yeah, um, I think that, well, to answer your question bluntly, I started working on Freck OG um, in a different format and version that's not what you see today on January 1st of 2014. So it kind of was like not a New Year's resolution, but I just decided to start working on it then. Uh, but prior to that, I'm from Seattle and I grew up without a lot of sun and without a lot of freckles, um, actually without any freckles. And I was always so obsessed with people who had them. So I've always been obsessed with freckles. Um, and I always kind of had the idea like when I was in high school and then really for the first time in college. And then I finally got to work um, in 2014. And today, the drawn-on freckles are obviously everywhere in the mainstream with celebrities and influencers in love with them. Doja Cat, Emily Ratajkowski, and Elsa Hosk are among the celebrities that have used your products. Who were the first big influencers or celebrities to start drawing on freckles? Technically, from what I've read, Giselle was drawing on her freckles for fashion shoots when she would wear makeup and then want to look like she wasn't wearing makeup. So her makeup artist would draw them back on. So that was way prior to Freck, you know, in the in the 2000s and early aughts. But as far as Freck as Freck Beauty, the first celebrities that, well, I guess I would actually say it started really with the influencer community. And that's where Freck really started to take off as a brand and as a product. Um, before that, it was very, very small. And I remember this one influencer, her name is Sarah uh, Luhu. I will forever be indebted to her because she started wearing the freckles. And um, that was really like the first nudge into virality that we saw back in 2017. This was like influencer or Instagram influencer days. Now, obviously, we've moved over to TikTok quite a bit, but um, this was like in the heat of Instagram. But the first celebrity that I knew to wear freck um, was Lady Gaga, which was a crazy pinch me moment for sure. And this was back in 2018, I believe. And what was the role of the e-girl trend in the rise of freckles? You know, I think that it just was alongside of, um, because we like to say freck beauty is an attitude. We're bold, clean beauty for anyone who cares about ingredients, respects the process, and doesn't care about the rules. But all of that, you know, all of those sentences after freck beauty is an attitude, it's kind of just to like explain that to people. Like it really is an attitude and it's like, what's the TikTok phrase right now? It's like, uh, girls who get it, get it. <laughs> um, so I think that Freck was just kind of like embracing skin texture, skin flaws, um, whatever you felt like you wanted to present 
yourself as that day. It wasn't, it wasn't as calculated as, you know, talk, speaking to a specific niche of consumer. And obviously if I were to do it again and start a different business, I would make sure that I was speaking to somebody directly. But at the time I never in a million years thought that it would blow up in the way that it has. So e-girl kind of, I don't, I wouldn't really know when to pinpoint exactly when that started, but, um, Freck was there and ready to support that movement for sure. <laughs> and how important was TikTok in the rise of the freckle trend? Yeah, I think that, um, <clears throat> so TikTok is a really funny thing because I think as a brand, when you win on TikTok, obviously having a, a big brand platform is great, but I think the ways to really win on TikTok just because of the way that Gen Z likes to be marketed to is to be big on TikTok Um by other other people talking about you as opposed to you presenting your brand. You know, it's just so much more um, believable when people are just organically, there's a movement of people talking about it. So when we go back to Freck Beauties and Attitude, that's why we're not a flash in the pan TikTok trend where you see everybody trying the freckles one day and then they're gone. You know, it's consistent. And also with our moisturizer, Rich Bitch and Cheek Slime, you know, they kind of are continually continually trending in this beautiful ebb and flow of TikTok. Um, and I think that is because Freck Beauty is an attitude and that attitude is timeless. And the attitude of like empowerment, self-confidence, um, self-expression is not a trend. It's timeless, um, especially for Gen Z and millennials. But TikTok is actually a really funny thing because so we're we get written about all the time is like, you know, the top five TikTok trending makeup products that you need to try or whatever. But we had already gone through a pretty big wave of Instagram virality prior to that. And then we're just so ready to scoop up in the in the next wave of TikTok too. So definitely as a brand, we were late to the game on TikTok as far as our brand profile, but we were being talked about on the platform organically. Yeah, I was going to say, when did you first discover that influencers and TikTokers had discovered Freck? <laughs> so funny. They started, the editors started writing about it. And I I started having uh, pe- friends, you know, younger cousins or, you know, my, my siblings' friends or whatever saying, oh yeah, I saw your product on TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. And I was like, what is going on with TikTok? Like, we're not even on TikTok yet. So um, it was... It was pretty wild to finally start getting into TikTok. I downloaded it. Uh, I, I always think about this. When I downloaded it, if I had like started working on TikTok then, I would have been unstoppable. But I waited probably a year after I downloaded it to really like start getting going. So I was familiar with the platform, but I wasn't really sure how to market on it. Um, but I think in the end, it actually ended up working in our favor. And now, of course, we're working on building our, our platform there. And then among your top social platforms, what would you say is number one right now? TikTok, for sure. For sure. Yeah, I was just looking at the data and I, or not the data, <laughs> the data, like I'm a scientist. No, um, <laughs> I'm a TikTok scientist. No, just kidding. Uh, I was looking at the the hashtags and it's crazy. It's like 4 million just for Freck Beauty. It's like 9 million for uh uh, freck, just freck. And then obviously like outside of the freck products, the freckle challenge and freckle talk is huge. And, uh, uh, like, you know, up to like, I think one of them has 8 billion. So it's 
huge on TikTok, but um, Instagram is tried and true. And I'm, of course, a millennial who loves TikTok. I mean, Instagram, but I'm starting to move over TikTok to myself as well. In addition to the freckle pen, you obviously have a ton more makeup and skincare products now. When did you first launch into the other products and how did you choose what categories to get into? Mm-hmm. So we launched uh, with Freco G, which is the, it's the small version that you see of, of the products, the Faux Freckle franchise. And people think that it's a mini, but it's actually the original <laughs> size. And then now we have Freck XL, which is a larger, larger size and Freck Noir, which is for mid to deep skin tones with a cooler undertone in the larger size as well. Um, and that was launched in mid 2017. And then end of 2018, we expanded with, I was so crazy. I rebranded the company, launched a new website and dropped five skincare SKUs in one day after having only one SKU <laughs> to date. So that was absolutely a wild ride. Um, and the reason for moving into skincare, you know, at the time, uh, we're, we're a East LA based brand and, you know, everybody thinks of LA and California as sun, especially if you're talking about freckles, right? So if I had a dollar for every time somebody was like, oh, you should make a bronzer, you should make it SPF. SPF was the big one too, um, which we should all be using SPF. But I, A, wanted to, I respect the SPF industry so much and I wanted to leave that space alone. I think that Kula and Supergoop are doing amazing things in SPF. And I'm like, they, they, they live and breathe and die that every day, like do that, you know? Um, so we wanted to get into skincare because, you know, freckles really are a celebration of skin. Um, if you think about it, it's a celebration of whether or not you're wearing foundation and you want to look like you are or are not wearing foundation, you know? Um, or if you just want to apply freckles on your bare skin, or if you're just showing your natural skin and skin texture, it's all about a celebration of skin. So that's why we chose to go into clean vegan skin. And then from there, we went into high performance, clean color as well. A lot of beauty startups choose to stay in one lane with makeup or skincare to start. Why was it important for you to get into both right away? Uh, we we didn't, though. Uh, it was 2018 when we launched our skincare. So 2017 freckles, end of 2018 skincare, and then early 2022 um, cheek slime which is our foray into color. Um, so I guess that doesn't sound like a lot of time in between. And I guess like we did go from skincare straight to makeup without like expanding skincare. Um, but when you're in it, you know, as a first time business owner, it definitely does feel like, oh, well, I've done like our basic skincare line and now I want to move into color. But again, I mean, I think that the product portfolio developed the development of the portfolio really always ties back to that freckles are a celebration of skin. And what we're most known for, I always like put this, you guys can't see me because we're on a podcast, but I put this box around my face and it kind of goes from below your nose to above your eyebrows with your hands. And that's really the space that we're known for. So, you know, fresh, beautiful, hydrated skin, freckles, and then we went into blush from there. And we have since launched highlighter, Slime Light, which is a multi-mineral um, hologram highlighter, which is absolutely sickening and very cool. You guys should check it out. Um, and we have a lot of cool stuff coming for, for 2022 that lives in and nearly around that box of the face, that little part of the face. 
And what are your thoughts on the concept of having a hero product? Do you still consider the freckle pen to be a hero product? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think of it now more as a collection. It's a freckle franchise with the three products now. They definitely are um, our hero products. We have other hero products, namely Rich Bitch and Cheek Slime are slaying. Um, and Cactus Waters coming up there. Finally, Little Baby, which is one of, it's my favorite child, actually. Um, so... To answer your question about hero products, I mean, I think it's a really strong place to launch. I, of course, did not know that when I launched because I just was kind of like creating freckles because I knew that I wanted them and a couple of my friends in East LA wanted them too. I never thought that we would get to where we are here. But if you if it's a really differentiated hero product, Freck OG was the first freckle cosmetic ever in the world that I know of. And I, I've researched it a lot, so the first ever. Um, so if it's, if we're talking about innovation, I think that having a hero product is amazing. Um, but I am very happy to say as well that our other SKUs and our assortment is building around the freckle franchise as well. So since launching in Sephora, how has that affected the brand's growth? I mean, it's been tremendous. <laughs> uh, it's a very exciting time. We're up on, we just passed nine months, which is surreal. It feels like it's gone by in a blink of an eye. Um, but I mean, we're in the next big thing in makeup, which is just an absolute honor. And our colleagues there are Janessa Myricks and Refi Brow. Um, so it's an incredible um, destination within the Sephora environment. And another part of it is that uh, the next big thing in makeup, I, I think that the the name has changed many times, but as many people know, part of Sephora's DNA as Sephora the brand is incubating small, smaller brands. So we are so incredibly lucky and excited to be at Sephora and um, continue our growth in 2022. With this big new retail partnership and the product launches, what has your approach been to raising funds to scale so quickly? Yeah, <laughs> it's a, uh, you know, you just, you just do what you got to do. You got to keep up, you know? Um, and I think that we've always since the beginning, and I've said this on past interviews too, you know, I was very keen to keep control of the company from an early stage. Um, I beg, borrowed and stealed, stole in the beginning with, uh, you know, small PayPal loans and, um, just working two jobs to pay for Freck. So I've always been kind of strategic. Well, I've been very strategic about just taking enough. And I think that also really lends itself to the nimble and scrappy nature that is Freck and the entire team at the company. Um, it's very, you know, thoughtful. And we put a lot of, uh, a lot of thought behind each decision and move that we make um, to make sure that we're going in the most, you know, efficient financial direction for the brand. And then you recently secured your first round of investment. How has that changed the game for the brand? It's been amazing. Our partners have been wonderful. I am so excited to kind of finally have additional, um, you know, advisors and mentors, both from an investment standpoint, but also from, you know, being able to hire on more seasoned team members that you know, really have the experience in the beauty industry specifically, um, and just a business overall, you know, this was my first business that I started. And before this, I was an interior designer. So it's definitely been amazing to have the additional support. Um, like I mentioned, just, just prior, uh, it's a very bootstraps company and that's just part of like, kind of 
the energy and the A game that myself and the whole team brings every day. Um, but I'm very thankful that we did raise when we ro- raised Rose, raised Rose, uh, because of all of the crazy supply chain <laughs> issues that are happening. So uh, it ended up being amazing timing. And um, yeah, just just thankful for the mentorship that comes with that too. Yeah. So as a startup, how have you dealt with the supply chain issues during the pandemic as you introduce all these new products and scale up so quickly? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, we're very lucky for the partners that we do have who have been understanding, you know, as a small business, um, you're not always first in line because your orders are not as big as other people's. One of the things that we actually ended up doing, um, we had a holiday duo at Sephora that was a cheek slime and a freco G in a cute holiday kit. And I personally, me and my business partner personally went down to the parts of Long Beach and we didn't harass them, but we definitely were in their faces for like a week. And then I went in the middle of the night with a fleet of U-Hauls to pick up the order to over, like bring it at 4 a.m. I went at midnight and then I got to my labs at 4 a.m. And they worked overnight to get the order out in time for Sephora. So I think that's kind of the, the one of the magical pieces about that startup kind of bootstrap energy is that you just, you do what you got to do, period. Yeah, brands are definitely having an interesting time right now with the supply chain. Is it changing at all or is it just as bad as it has been? Uh, for us, it's pretty much just as bad, but we're changing. We're adapting. We're looking for further in the future. And um, I think it's actually been for this stage of our business, I think it's been a good push to getting ahead of issues. Um, so I'm actually not thankful for it because I know a lot of people are having a difficult time with it, as are we. And we have had much more difficult time, but it is kind of nice to, it's that kind of nice little push that we needed at this moment of the business. Let's talk about your brand identity and aesthetic. You said you recently rebranded. Did you want to talk about the process of how you choose the interesting names for your products and your approach to a brand identity? Mm-hmm. Totally. We, well, we rebranded. So when I launched, well, let me back it up. When I launched the Kickstarter, it was called Go Freck Yourself. And so that was a little bit aggressive. And then uh, when I actually went, or no, excuse me, when I started the idea, it was Go Freck Yourself. When I launched the Kickstarter, it was Freck Yourself. When I launched the brand, it was just called Freck. And that was confusing because it was Freck the brand sells Freck the product. So when we launched the skincare, we became Freck Beauty. Um, but we did have a huge brand rehaul at that moment before we were kind of like blue and purple swirlies. And now we've gone towards, you know, um, very simplified design and a strong, you know, consistent color palette that you guys see today. Um, like I mentioned, I am a, I was an interior designer before, so we like to make sure that all of the products and all of the design really is a space for people to have, that attitude, have their own self-expression. We don't want to shove blue and purple swirls down anybody's, you know, vanity throat. Like we want you to express yourself, um, with your, with your vanity candy. Um, but the names, I mean, it's actually really funny. I get questions about this a lot. So our products have really unique names like cheek slime and slime light, rich bitch, Lil prick is our cactus seed dry serum. Um, and what else we have cactus water and, uh, on repeat. So yeah, we've got a lot of wild names. Um, sometimes the name comes first, 
And sometimes the product comes first. So I think it's just weird part of my brain that I used to be obsessed thinking about like um, children's names. And like, if I were to change my name, like, as I said, I, I adopted the name Remy. So it's just, it's, it it really, to me, like feels about self-expression and identity, which is really important to me. Um, So basically whenever my brain is off or when I'm just like kind of watching TV, there's always like this back circle cycle in the back of my mind that's thinking about names. So sometimes they come really easily and sometimes they were like down to the art deadline and we're like, what are we going to name this? So what would you say your target age demographic is right now? Is it Gen Z or millennials or do you differentiate? Mm -hmm. We definitely have both. Um, And I think that it sounds so cheesy, but I really, it really is true. Like our demo is about the attitude of self-expression. You know, we have 80-year-olds who wear freckles down all the way to, you know, millennial parents who got teased for having freckles as kids and now their kids are going to school and they're getting teased about freckles. So they'll bring Freck OG in and they'll like give everybody freckles at, at school. And then and then those kids end up adapting the attitude that like, oh, freckles are cool. Like I can wear freckles on my face, you know? Um, so the product and Outside of the freckles, just all the skincare and everything, I think it it spans across anyone who cares to self-identify and self-express. Um, but definitely heavy on Gen Z, um, across all genders, sexualities. It's really about that kind of self-assurance um, that comes with putting on your face or not. We'll be right back after this break. What do you think are the main differences with the younger generation of Gen Z beauty consumers? How are they different from beauty shoppers from decades before? Well, first off, they are so smart. <laughs> first, firstly, and first, first and foremost, everybody knows that they're so brilliant when it comes to their research and um, their artistry is incredible. But I think that in previous you know, generations and decades, I think that the beauty industry was kind of about, you know, presenting what is to aspire after versus now um, makeup is a tool for self-expression and even skincare is a tool for self-expression and, you know, self-identity and self-care. And I think that that's a huge shift from older generations. It's like, it's not use these tools to put yourself in a box. It's use these tools to open the world as far as aesthetics and, you know, self-expression. And how does that impact how you choose which influencers you work with? I see on your Instagram, you have a lot of unique influencers promoting the products. What's the process for finding them and working with them? It's a good question. Um, They actually, so in the very beginning, um, you know, as a, as a, not a single dollar of investment, um, company. I had no marketing budget. I didn't even have a budget to take, do a photo shoot, um, at all. So all the, the brand really grew. Its first big spike was all, um, user generated content that people started tagging us in. So uh, organically kind of the, the beautiful, I call them the Freck fan, like fam, the baddies that you see on our, uh, Instagram and kind of just like an alt aesthetic or just a little bit more, um, 
avant-garde and out there in their in their makeup looks and their expression of themselves organically reach out to the brand I think that's just something that's so you know linked between freckles and kind of the the early stage of freck OG was really this show and tell moment for people in the in the makeup community um you know, it was, it's this tiny, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's about half the size of your pinky. It's this very, very tiny screw top brush applicator. And it had this moment where, you know, these influencers and even just regular people were like, oh, look what I have, look what I found. And they wanted to share it and show it to their community. So I think that the way that, that those people who start just initially started sharing it and their audiences were an aligned aesthetic. Um, but now to answer your question, um, I just, I think that there's a space for everybody. And I think that, you know, we, we naturally, um, pull kind of the more alt beauty community towards us, but I think, um, yeah, I don't know how I how I pick them, but I think that the brand voice has become strong enough where everybody who works on the social team and the marketing team can kind of like understand that those are our people and that's like the the niche that we're talking to and it's a niche that's growing every day. And did you want to talk about how you develop a culture around the brand? I know that you have Freck playlists. Did you want to just talk about the ways that you cultivate this kind of culture and community? Absolutely. I think that um, I wish that it was a more, you know, thought out process, but I think it really comes from the the bootstrapness of the brand. I'm sorry, I keep saying that word. I know it sounds redundant, but um, you know, when when I started, it was just me on the Instagram, you know, and on the customer service emails and everything. So when I first started the brand, I really looked at every single customer service issue or reaching out to an influencer being like, Hey, I love your style. I would love to, um, send you some of our product if that's okay. You know, so nervous about it, but, um, it was just me. And I really like wanted them to feel like the brand really cared and the brand, you know, I wasn't just reaching out to you if you're an influencer because, Oh, I want to send you product and get something. I mean, and like get a photo out of it. Like, of course that would be great. But really, I would just love to have a connection with you because I love your art and the work that you create and your aesthetic. So I think that that really carried on, especially with those early influencers and bloggers, because they then felt connected to me and the brand, which at the time was only me. Um, And they felt like a sense of ownership and pride in seeing the brand grow. And that's, I think carried through to the second wave and third wave. And as we've grown, everybody who has come into the Freck fam, as far as the, you know, the community of influencers and bloggers and even, and customers too, feel that kind of sense of ownership, especially as it started as a Kickstarter, you know, there were people who waited around from the Kickstarter for a year and a half, I think it was until the brand actually launched. And they were sending me really wonderful, sweet messages saying, you know, if you have any extra samples, I would love to buy one from you. Like, I know you didn't launch or whatever. So there's like an incredible sense of um, family and pride. And, and that always leaks into our new hires. And as the team internally is growing, um, there's a lot of, of pride in, in growing the business. You talked about the kind of alt aesthetic that you look for with influencers. Do you think this aesthetic is kind of becoming more mainstream now? Are you seeing it more among the beauty community on Instagram and TikTok? 
definitely growing. I think it's morphing and I think there's always going to be, you know, pre-trend, trend setters, like the trend moment and then the tail end. So I think that, um, again, like we are talking about trends here, but as I mentioned before, you know, that attitude of like curiosity and exploration and, and, you know, self-assuredness that comes with like, oh, I'm going to tape some, uh, pearls onto my face. Like that was crazy, you know, a couple years ago. And now it's, it's very mainstream and we see it on the carpets. Um, and just in that same way, you know, when I launched Freco Geo, when I started the process of trying to figure out, you know, how would I make a freckle cosmetic? Everyone thought I was crazy. And I got dragged really hard <laughs> from the Kickstarter, um, or people literally publications that I really looked up to were like, what is this crazy girl doing? Because it was all at the time it was very much the industry was very much about like full coverage foundation, laser treatments were having a huge upsurge in removing uh, skin flaws, quote, flaws and texture. Um, so I think there's just like a curiosity and a and just like an excitement to try new things that the trendsetters and the community of the Freck fam um, all have in common, even though they all have their own unique, beautiful, uh, independent styles. Yeah. Do you think it kind of rose with the no makeup makeup look as well? Yeah, I think, I think yes. And then I also think, you know, it's funny because some of the, the Freck fam are wearing no makeup and they've just got like, you know, uh, a wild liner, they've got orange eyebrows or checkerboard eyebrows or, um, or they're wearing a full beat and they're doing that as well, or they're wearing nothing, you know, and it's just skincare. So I think it's really, again, about that attitude. And it's not about, um, so much what's on your face is how you carry it. We've been talking a lot about digital, but you also just did your first pop-up. Did you want to talk about the role of in-real-life promos right now? And what are you thinking with the pandemic numbers getting worse? How are you approaching that for next year? Yeah, we're deep in it right now, figuring it out. Um, The coffee pop-up was amazing because it was not only... uh, It was a drive-through coffee pop-up, so it was very cool that... um, you know, if you didn't want to get out of your car, you didn't want to risk exposure, um, you could still experience the brand that way. Um, and it was also great because it was our first consumer event as well. We're just, you know, consumers or even just people who have never heard of the brand were able to get introduced to the brand. Um, as far as next year's programming, we're, you know, it's just crazy with COVID. It's like you're every day, you're like, is it, isn't it, you know, is it okay? Is it not okay? It's kind of like, um, a wild ride. So, I mean, every day, I think we have a, a good sense of it, but when you're talking about launches a couple months down the road, you know, it's, it's pretty terrifying, um, or not terrifying, just difficult to, to manage. And of course we would never want to create an unsafe environment for everybody or anybody, excuse me. So, um, we're figuring it out. We definitely want to do more IRL experiences. Um, but I think there's a lot, I should say there's a lot of distance between, online and a party that I think that marketers are starting to kind of expand the box. You know, before it was like, it was just a party or an event. And I think that now we're coming up with a lot more creative ways to pop up or celebrate um, as a function of COVID. So I'm excited to see not only for Freck, but also for the entire industry and beyond just commerce in general, you know, how people navigate this next year creatively. What's your breakdown of online versus offline sales right now? 
it kind of, it fluctuates, but we are definitely a digitally native, native brand for sure. Um, and we've seen a huge uptick in, in store, obviously with the, um, with the partnership with Sephora. So going back to the coffee promo, did you want to give the listeners a little more detail on what that was and all the details of how you hosted that? Yeah, it was so fun. Um, it was in K-Town, which is super close to East LA here. And we uh, basically partnered with a coffee shop called Full Service Coffee, which is a local, you know, one-off, um, actually completely vegan coffee restaurant or coffee drive through excuse me. And we partnered with them um, to, we wrapped the entire space. We also built out some, um, you know, shelves in a POS area where people could come and explore the brand and, you know, touch and feel, obviously sanitized everything um, while they were waiting for their coffee. And um, we were actually able to you know, partner with this small business, full service coffee to support the community, which was really cool. Um, you know, it was like there were punch, special punch cards because we were up for an entire month. You know, if people kept coming who were neighbors of the coffee shop, um, they were able to collect, you know, some free coffees and snacks and stuff. Um, and we also brought a amazing, um, mural into the space that was run by my art department. They did a badass job. So, um, to kind of just like liven up the street and, um, and yeah, just, just meet, meet the community. Really. Um, we spent a lot of time in Echo Park and Silver Lake and Eagle Rock, but it was really nice to step out a little bit while being still in our own backyard. And it's interesting because with these brand promos, you always hear about them being Instagrammable, but are you thinking about making something TikTokable now? Is that part of the equation when you're creating something like this? Are you thinking not just how is it going to look in a square Instagram photo, but how will this look in a short video? Yeah, it's funny. I was actually just thinking about this today because um, when you're thinking about Instagrammable, I think that events and event spaces are like Instagram storyable. And of course, some people will pull that onto feed and it's like, quote, feed worthy, right? But I feel like our our life currently, live, at least mine, currently lives on Instagram stories. But I think we're going to see a shift over as people start to get more and more familiar with the in-app editing functions and also, you know, other editing apps on our phones, um, how to create content that feels just like a day in the life on a TikTok. Um, But separately, as far as TikTok campaigns go, um, I think that'll be really interesting to see how TikTok campaign building wraps into, you know, parties and IRL experiences, because you're right, it is kind of clunky and weird right now to stitch together a bunch of like two second Instagram stories into a TikTok without like a reveal or a punchline or something. So I'm really excited to see how not only uh, influencers, but just consumers and regular people like you and I figure out how to express ourselves on TikTok. How are you approaching TikTok right now with regard to putting content on your own account versus having influencers post about the brand? Well, we recently um, started creating our own content. Finally, like we have been creating our own content, but really like having dedicated team members um, focusing on that, which is a huge thing for us. It's very exciting. Um, but uh, I think always you want to see, like we were talking about earlier, you all, you always want to see people talking about your brand organically. Um, and that's something that is so precious and it it can't really be bought even 
gifted is, is kind of hard. So I think it really comes from, you know, the authority and the reason why products go so viral on TikTok as opposed to other platforms is because people like really trust that the creators, unless they're tagging, you know, sponsored, they really believe in the product. Um, and then their friends start trying it. And I think that word of mouth marketing is basically TikTok. You know, I think we're just going to see more and more word of mouth marketing um, because they're smart and they can see through bad products. They can see through bad ingredients. They can see through efficacy issues, packaging issues. Um, sorry, to answer your question, uh, we focus on, you know, just cultivating the relationships with the TikTok community um, as opposed to looking at it as a, as a marketing channel, which of course it is, but um, at the end of the day, there are real people on the other side of the screen. So I think having the respect and um, understanding of that makes the relationship feel real to not only the, the creator, but also the viewer. Yeah, it's a very different platform from Instagram. So just to wrap things up with a bigger picture question, we have the pandemic numbers in this resurgence. Um, how are you looking at 2022 right now overall? What are your priorities for 2022 with retail versus e-commerce and um, just overall strategy, product launches? What are your biggest goals? Yeah, Um we, well, do all of it more and better. <laughs> is that an appropriate answer? Uh, no, I mean, the beautiful thing about Freck is that, um, I've said it so many times, but I'm going to say it again. We're a really small company. And so we, there's so many levers that we have not even touched. We haven't even, a lot of them we have, have know that we haven't touched, but there are also probably so many more that we don't even know that we haven't touched. So I'm, I think that 2022 you know, especially this is right after the New Year's we're recording this. And I, uh, of course, had all my New Year's revolutions, revelations of like, you know, oh, we could be doing this better and this better. But I think it's really just about being efficient about our time this year and doing the most that we can with our limited bandwidth. I think we're, I'm really excited to grow the team this year um, and just see our output flourish. You know, I, I, this is so cheesy, but I feel like everything that we've been doing is like laying foundation for this year. Um, so that's, it's a really just hugely exciting time for the brand. Um, and then as far as product, I don't know when this episode will come out, but we have two mega, mega launches at the top of this year, which I am currently swimming in, but I'm so excited. Um, products that have been in the making for a really long time. Uh, some of the loves of my life, some of the first loves of my life. Um, and then we've got some cool stuff for the end of the year too. So I think it's really just about like, um, honing in our brand marketing strategy, product marketing strategy, and just overall, you know, operational efficiency of the brand. Last year was really about like operational efficiency and launching at Sephora and for anybody listening to this who is in Sephora or not, um, there is so much work that goes into just preparing yourself for even being able to do that. And it's not sexy. It's like, it's like finding a 3PL and, you know, uh, all this, all the testing that goes into it. So, um, yeah, excited to see. I think this will be a big growth year for us. And I'm super excited. And if you can't tell from the audio, I'm smiling. <laughs> Can you give us a sneak peek of your next upcoming product? 
Why, yes, I can. Um, on February 1st, we're actually launching our very first black eyeliner. She's called Lash Rocket Liquid Liner with Lash Enhancing Peptides. It's a mouthful. And basically, the, I mean, it's a great, it's an amazing eyeliner. It's long wear. She, she can make it through hot yoga, Pilates, crease proof, smudge proof, flake proof, it no tug, dryless inkwell, blackest black, matte black. So it's just an amazing liner all around. Um, but the other thing that is amazing about it is that the inspiration for this product, this actually has been so long in the making because I had this idea like years and years ago. Um, but basically, you know, I have pretty short stubby lashes. They're nothing to write home about. They're not terrible, but whatever. Um, and so I would always get inspired to buy lash serums with peptides to try and, you know, enhance my lashes. And I would use them for a couple of days but you have to wait, you put them on and wait and then apply your eyeliner on top of it. So this fuses both of them and the results are pretty crazy. I cannot wait for you guys to see them on our website and Sephora.com. Are you wearing the liner right now? I am. It's amazing. It's so easy to use. I've never found another eyeliner like it. Well, Remy, thanks so much for being here and we look forward to seeing what's in store for Freck in the coming year and all your new launches. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun to chat. Thank you so much for listening to the Glossy Beauty Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. And of course, if you haven't already subscribed, please hit that button. 